0: Welcome to Quantum Leap, the podcast that explores how we achieve new heights in leadership, business, and in our lives. I'm David Wolf, and here with me, as always, is the Quantum Leap coach, Terry Estroviak. Terry, it's always good to be with you.
1: Good to be with you, David. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to this series, exploring the work you do, the concept of Quantum Leap, and for our listeners that uh, subscribe to this podcast as we move through the series, it should be uh, quite a journey for them. And I should say to, my, uh, to our listeners that I'm engaged with Terry as well on a quantum leap coaching trajectory. So uh, this makes me particularly uh, maybe suitable to uh, have these discussions with you about all of this. So you've been coaching high performance, I'll call them high performance clients for more than 30 years. You've done it all over the world. But what initially gave you the inspiration to develop this idea of quantum leap?
1: Well, it, it occurred uh, many years ago uh, in when I was in Johannesburg, South Africa, which is the area that I started working in and uh, where I was born originally. And um, I was working with the Dale Carnegie organization, and uh, I was my business was doing well, but I realized that no self-respecting businessman, in other words, a CEO. Or a uh, or a top level manager would be would be seen dead on a Dale Carnegie course, because it kind of gave them a, a feeling at that time that, uh, that 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 they either lacked confidence or weren't able to communicate effectively, um, and uh, they needed to do something. And so I had to I, I was saying to myself, I wonder what I could do to get more executives onto a Dale Carnegie course. And then the thought suddenly struck me. I'd have to create a program that had a different name, one specifically for executives, and I called it the Executive Image Program. Afterwards, I called it the Executive Image Process. Mm-hmm. But the idea behind it was that not only did I have to sell it to the public that I was uh, marketing to, but I'd also have to sell it somehow into Del Carnegie. Because they didn't believe that uh, that innovation and new ideas and new programs should be tinkered with, uh, in, you know, in the in, in the bottom end of the earth in, in South Africa, <laughs> all that stuff had to be done in their own uh, their own uh, department, uh, department of instruction, for instance. They had a whole department for that kind of thing yeah. for innovation, and they picked up a lot of their ideas from people in the field, but they didn't want people in the field to be doing that particularly. And I understand that they wanted some control considering they were operating in 72 countries around the world at that time. Sure. So I asked for permission to uh, allow me to put uh, just a group of executives together on one of the programs that they had, and I, I didn't hand out the normal material that, that would be that would be handed out on a Dale Carnegie course. Mm. But I ran the program and I started it uh, very quickly. So I had to shorten it. First of all, I recognized very quickly that executives think quickly, move quickly, make decisions quickly. And the program had to be doing that as well. They weren't going to be sitting around for 12 weeks on a course. And the other thing is that they you know people travel a great deal. So they wouldn't be around. So they'd be missing courses here and there. So I decided I'd have to narrow it down to one week, and instead of running it in the evenings where I ran all my other programs, I'd run it during the day, like ten, like 8 o'clock in the morning, for instance, mm-hmm. for five days. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was a huge quantum leap. For the organization, it was a huge quantum leap. And the condition that they allowed me to do this was I had to constantly be giving them feedback on what I was doing. What they were really impressed with was that I was charging a lot more money because it was for executives. It had to have some sort of substance. And that was where I suddenly got the idea that I would do this. And it worked marvelously. Now, the reason I needed to do that was because the only way that people at top level would put their high potential staff, for instance, onto a course would be if they experienced it themselves. So it wasn't just a mental effect that I had to have. It was an emotional effect. Yes. And once I started that, it was fine. And eventually they allowed me to do a presentation at a conference that they had in San Antonio, Mm -hmm. and it worked very well. And that's basically how I started thought of the idea i had a partner with me at the time unfortunately he's no longer around his name is was duncan ellers and he documented everything that i was doing and guided me from behind so i was up in front i had the initiative the entrepreneurship to be able to do it and he was able to document it and i wouldn't have been able to do it without him i needed that partner at that time to do this Mm. And we worked on it together. It was a one for me. It was a huge breakthrough. And Dale Carnegie eventually took the program and uh, started to, to promote it internationally as well. And I did the same thing myself in Europe when I went afterwards. I moved to the Netherlands. But that would I would say would be my biggest experience or my biggest quantum leap.
0: What's remarkable too is that when you think of Dale Carnegie, and you alluded to this. This was a. A very um, established brand with established processes and techniques and marketplace and not an easy sell to them, I would imagine. There was probably some headwinds around this, right?
1: Yes, and I was very carefully, and I was doing everything politically correctly, and I, mm-hmm. I you know, made sure that everybody knew that it was not my program, even although everybody knew it was my program. <laughs> so, <laughs> deli- it was a delicate
0: it. balance there. I mean, just yes, that alone. Yes, it was alone, a very delicate balance. And say, eventually,
1: they, they took
0: it away. They did take it away. In other words, they discontinued it, or did they… No,
1: no. They they said, okay, we'll be running it ourselves now. You, you, oh, you're not going to have any input anymore, which was… Depressing for me. Duncan took it very, very badly. I mean, he hated the idea that they would do that and just wouldn't work on anything like that with them again. And I said, well, look, I'm far away. Uh, I got permission for them to let me train instructors for them in that program and to run the program. And uh, I did that, and I continued to work on it, and I improved on it. So, you know, talk about a quantum leap. Sometimes somebody would say, ah, it was a real aha experience that you had, and it just lost for a flash. But it wasn't. It was a a long, ongoing process, and I was constantly fine-tuning and tinkering with it and making sure that it was better and better as I went along.
0: This constant improvement, um, did that continue after they... Quote, took it from you and you began to realize that you'd want to develop it on your own. I'm guessing uh, there was while Duncan to it took it hard. It sounds like you continued and took ownership of uh, to the extent you could have of, of it on your own. Right.
1: That's right. And I wouldn't allow myself to get into an ego trip where I would say, well, you know, you guys have really hurt me and you pushed me out of it. And I understood. I mean, this is what happens in big business. If you work the, under the umbrella of a big organization, you have to understand that uh, whatever you come up with, mm-hmm. uh, with, with these large organizations, you have to recognize that, uh, that, you know, that they come first. No, not the individuals in the organization. So I just worked in the background. I allowed myself to do that. So I uh, I just worked on it and I tinkered with it and I improved on it. And, and each time I started to do that, the, the quantum leap for me became greater and greater because I got huge insights in how to make this thing work. Whereas when Dale Carnegie took it over, dare I say this, I don't know. But anyway, they, they actually missed the point completely. I don't think they quite grasped what I was getting at. And that was that I recognized, this was the huge leap for me, I recognized that it was the instructional method that I was using rather than the content that was being provided. Interesting. So, you know, today this is a world full of content. Everybody pays for content and has to develop content. But uh, I said to myself, that's not what's going to make the difference to these people on a program like that. I recognized from working at it, at the rock face, that it was the instructional method that I was using. It was an ability that I, I developed to personalize whatever we were doing in the moment and to make sure that every individual saw the value of what this was about because it was stitched together and tailored specifically for them. So when they walked out of a session like this, they could honestly say to themselves, well, I really got value or I had an aha experience from this today, which doesn't come from content. Even although content is important to some extent, what's much more important and the thing that people remember in the program, in any any of these kinds of programs, is what happened to me personally in that program that I can go out and use again. That was the big insight for me. And I would say that's the quantum leap.
0: Terry, when you coach today, is it a one-on-one experience? And did that evolve over time, in other words, initially was it a group that then became a one-on-one. In other words, I guess I'm asking you a little bit about how you convey, how you work, how you interact, what this engagement looks like that is so remarkably different. This is the stuff that the Carnegie organization couldn't get.
1: Yes. In fact, even although the Carnegie organization was, was expert and wonderful in the area of group dynamics, mm-hmm. and I learned a great deal from that, I realized that there was an additional step that needed to be taken in order to make sure that what people were learning could be ongoing for them. In other words, I made a distinction between training and coaching. And the distinction that I made was this. When we're in a training process or training program, the program is developed by the organization and it has a beginning and it it has an agenda and it has an end. But when it ends let's say it's a course of some kind lasting for 12 weeks mm-hmm. once the course is finished people are back into their normal uh, routine and they you know how do they continue to to grow and improve and, and that worried me and so I said to myself how can i make this more a more lasting experience for people and so that's where i started to make this distinction where i said coaching is the way to move that on And then I started to think about how do I ensure that even in a group dynamics process, and it was really a dynamic, dynamic process, uh, we we had to have some sort of continuity to it. So I added a coaching module, let's say, or a coaching mode into the exercise. Mm -hmm. And eventually, I I literally stopped doing training and focused much more on -on one-on-one coaching.
0: So there's something about the way you interact, the way you actively listen, the way you co-create a program with someone in the Quantum Leap world that sets you apart. Uh, You're getting results that are uh, extraordinary, and we would have to attribute it to that.
1: Right. And, and, I, and I also very clearly made a distinction between having a discussion with people or having a talk with people mm-hmm. and creating a dialogue. Today I use the word dialogue a lot. Yeah. Dia, meaning die in, in Latin, meaning two. Yes. And it's a two way conversation. And it's not just some guru uh, sprouting out a, a, a monologue to somebody. In fact, this is what I call it. It's a way of developing synergy. What is synergy? Synergy comes from two words, SYN, S-Y-N, which is, which is, is an abbreviation for uh, synchronizing, and ERGY, obviously, from energy. Mm-hmm. So, synchronizing the energy between two people. Mm-hmm. And here's the point. When I was in the Netherlands, I discovered that they have a different culture in that, in, in that country, Uh, They have a special word for it. I I won't go into it today, maybe in another podcast we can talk about it. But they are a very adult culture in in the Netherlands. They speak Dutch and they have a different mentality and a different way of thinking about relationships with people. And I call that an adult-to-adult process as opposed to a parent-to-child process. In the English-speaking world, and I'm not just simply saying the United States but all over the world wherever english is spoken and other countries as well but particularly in english we defer to authority if somebody says this is the way it is and i'm an authority and i've got the degrees and i've got the experience to back me up then you are expected to listen to me in the netherlands that's not true Hmm. they see people in that role in the role of uh, advising or or teaching or coaching or whatever it is as simply a conduit of a vast array of material (laughs) and they say you are the conduit you are a a lead into this but you're not the creator or the inventor of this stuff so don't put yourself in on, on a pedestal and say that you're the guru that invented this And that was a huge humbling experience for me after many, many years of of coaching and teaching, you know, literally thousands of people and recognizing that the relationship in synergy are two adults together, both learning and both growing from the experience. So I use this analogy. It's like two chemical elements, myself on the one hand and my client on the other hand, one and one. If we mix correctly and we talk to each other, and we create some kind of chemical balance, then a third element will pop out of the equation. So 1 plus 1 then could equal 3, as opposed to 1 plus 1 is equal to 2. And that is the definition of synergy, 1 plus 1 is equal to 3. So that was a huge insight for me as well and a quantum leap in my thinking when I was able to define what that element was. So Every time I coach somebody, I'm open to the idea that I'm going to learn just as much as they do from the experience.
0: And it sounds like you really, I'll say, extracted it from uh, this, the conditioning the, uh, in the Netherlands. I mean, in other words, the social order of things, the way people communicate. It didn't have to be a coaching environment. It, was, it sounds like you observe this in every environment, just culturally there, right?
1: Yes. They actually have a word in the Netherlands. And they, you know, it, it's very interesting. There's a, there's a saying that says, fish discover water last <laughs> Fish don't know that they <laughs> that they're swimming around in water, just like we. are not even aware of the fact that we walk around and there's air around us oh, and we I, love that. I mean, we we just take it for granted. Right. When I was in the Netherlands, I was able to to, to watch a little bit objectively uh, how they how, how Dutch people operate, and they have a word for it that that that, that is woven into the fabric of their culture completely. It's called relativeering hmm it's the word relative that's key in English. Relative earring is is a verb. And it means, and when they say I'm a relative it means I'm bringing both sides of the equation into play. I'm looking at both points of view, not just my point of view. And that's how they operate. That's why if you go to the Netherlands and you're in business, you'll find that Dutch management is always in meetings They always seem to be talking and say, well, how can they achieve anything? What they're doing in those meetings, though, is they're getting consensus. It's not 51% rules. It's that everybody is happy with the way forward. So you'll find that when their governments are created, there's, there are always two or three different parties involved in the process, and they accept that, and that's the way they operate. And so that, that's another distinction that's important. And relative is an adult-to-adult culture where people take consideration of everybody, everybody's needs. They won't just say, well, I'm stronger or I'm a faster talker than you are or I'm cleverer than you, so you've got to go with me, with my ideas. that was a huge insight for me as well talk about another quantum leap in my thinking
0: Mm, mm, such a quantum leap the the website for terry and the work he does is www.quantumleapcatalyst and you just talked about being the catalyst this chemical reaction that happens between you and client or you and partner Uh, quantumleapcatalyst.com Terry you're such a fascinating guy I'm really looking forward to this series please folks as you listen give us a great review on iTunes if you will that's it for this session on the quantum leap we'll see you next time thanks Terry thank you David